Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is January the 24th. 2020 strong hand golden age 2020s bitcoin is next bitcoin in motion value your wealth in bitcoin i'm offended by selling these dudes got conviction don't fomo on altcoins no one fomos on altcoins that's on this panel we got david bennett here we got gg here and we got mauricio of Ledin here and whoa this has been quite a week in bitcoin all sorts of centralized players all over the place People all not controlling their private key. It's wacky, but it's real. And we're going to have to address all the nonsense that's going on. Remember, new show here every Friday. All these guys are linked up, up linked to below. Actually, new show here every day. This week in Bitcoin is every Friday. Follow me on TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T on Twitter. All these dudes' Twitters are below. Let's start off with Mauricio in, uh, in lovely uh, Toronto. I believe that's where you are right now. Um, Coinbase, it, it, it's it's come about the news that Coinbase has a mil- is going to soon have a million Bitcoin there. So many people use Coinbase that, and it's not all these exchanges have lots of Bitcoin. That that was big news this week, or at least to me, it's it's big news. Uh, what what is your 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 take on that situation? No, I think, I mean, obviously it's, uh, it's important that we pay attention to this. I think as Bitcoiners and as uh, sort of participants in the community and the industry, we need to be cognizant of the fact that although we want to push this narrative of protecting your wealth, having control of your own keys, there are a lot of um, users and people around the world that want to get access to Bitcoin, don't have the time to go through the whole learning curve, and they end up opting to using these centralized services. And in addition to that, these centralized services, even more so now, are starting to provide added benefits like interest accounts and loans, uh, things you can do with the Bitcoin. So they give you, they give you extra, you know, they dangle extra carrots and not, not in the sense that these are all bad services, but in, in the way we see it is it's, it's somewhat of an inevitability that some people will end up using custodial services. So rather than trying to get rid of them uh, as a whole, I think it's important that we drive this idea of proof of reserves which is the fact and the ability that is inherent to the Bitcoin protocol where these custodians can show you on chain that they have your Bitcoin. And I see this as, a, as it's not necessarily a trivial uh, advancement in the practices of custody today. It's, there's a lot of work that has to be done in the back end, but it, this needs to be facilitated. We need to make more of an effort to, to basically push that this should be the standard. All right. Well, we'll talk more about your article. You wrote a great article about uh, proof of reserves. What do you think, though, about uh, the news that also came out this week that the Winklevoss brothers uh, over at Gemini, they, there's some insurance now that they've come up with. Nakamoto insurance to, to protect. To, I mean, it, again, it encourages people to give them, uh, to, to let them uh, have their Bitcoin. What, it, is that a positive development? Um, listen, I think it's a positive development for the... Um, for the adoption of Bitcoin in general. Why? Because it keeps giving Bitcoin a perception of safety around good, important players that are regulated in the markets they operate in. And the fact that they are keep pushing the boundaries on the maximum coverage and then the items that are covered. So one of the interesting things that Gemini is now advertising is not only coverage of their hot co- of their cold wallet, they're now insured on their hot wallet, and they claim that they have passed through an FIDC insurance on their dollar deposits. So that starts becoming, that starts giving a lot of a, a user that may be interested in Bitcoin, but doesn't have the time to go through the whole curve, it gives them peace of mind and it gives them more of a readiness to act on a potential buy. All right, let's let's move over to Gigi. And by the way, everyone, pound that like button. And pound that like button if anyone was on Twitter today when I retweeted Gigi's German podcast. Yes, he's got a <laughs> podcast in German. He speaks German. He knows about Germany. So actually, right before the show, we were talking about Germany. And how uh, banks now can uh, hold people's uh, Bitcoin for them. Uh, it hasn't exactly started there yet. But what, what, Gigi, we all know you're a hardcore control your own private key guy. What do you think about these uh, developments? 
Yeah, well, in general, all those centralizing developments, um, I wouldn't be too worried about it yet. I mean, I think it will get varying if Coinbase says uh, they're getting close to 21 million Bitcoins. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I think it will just continue to happen and people will get burned. And um, yeah, that's just the, the part of the Bitcoin experience, it seems, that you opt for... Um, for a centralized service that holds your keys. And as we all know, not your keys, not really your Bitcoin. And then you get burned because the centralized service fails and you learn and you, well, you move forward and <laughs> maybe you come back in with the next hype cycle. I don't know. I think, I think, um, it will just continue to happen. I think most users, um, they are still in the convenience mode. So they value convenience over anything else. And um, I think it will just be a learning, a learning experience for most users. If Coinbase does end up with a million, that there's only 18 million Bitcoin that have ever been created. So one in every 18 at Coinbase. That, that just sounds, um, I, I, it doesn't sound good to me. It, it sounds like uh, Coinbase is, is going to be, is incredibly powerful in the space. I'll tell you that. For all the people that predicted that Coinbase was going to fail, my, my lord, that's that doesn't sound like failure to me. Uh, David Bennett, what's your take on centralization in in general? Uh, obviously, I I don't like it. However, I got to agree with my colleagues here. This is going to happen. Uh, people are going to look for convenience. That's just the nature of how he, many humans operate. It took a lot for me mentally to get to a space where I was like. I got to learn all this stuff to be able to to feel even remotely safe and in control of of my destiny. And that's hard. That's a hard sell. It was easy for me because I don't like people being in control of what it is that I do and have all this say. But again, this is going to happen. The fact that uh, they're going to end up with a million coin over it at a Coinbase or yeah, Coinbase is. Uh, it actually kind of is throwing me for a loop. I'm a little surprised, but I'm not, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. And you're right. It makes them pretty powerful. I don't like it. I mean, the whole delete Coinbase thing, I was, you know, I, I, I'm done with them. I haven't done anything with Coinbase in over a year now and I refuse to work with them at all, but there, you know, we're here. And this, this thing with Gemini's is sort of the same thing. We're, Custody is going to happen and you have to make the choices to whether or not you're going to be one of the animals in the pen or one of the animals outside of the pen. I don't mean to make it sound so harsh, but these guys are some of them are going to learn the hard way. Some of them are going to end up being safe. And it depends on the people that are backing the companies that decide to go custodial and remain custodial. I think it's good to make it sound that harsh, actually, because it's better like sounding harsh now than feeling the wrath of the harshness when you lose your Bitcoin. There's, you know, being called an animal inside a pen is better than losing 10 Bitcoin. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, at least at least being outside the pen, if somebody comes after me with an axe, I got the choice to run. You know, <laughs> I can I can bail with my hardware wallet across the border. Baby. If I go across a border and I have to depend on Coinbase to say, by the way, you're in Iran, um, we're not doing business with you because you're in a, you know, in a region that is under, you know, whatever consequences that any other state puts on them. Um, that I would rather be in control of. I just would rather be in control of my own stuff. Yeah. So let's let's uh, go back to Mauricio because you did write the article on proof of reserves that I know Nick Carter is a huge fan of, of proof of reserves. Is there anything else you wanted to say about it? I mean, uh, right now, I don't think a lot of uh, the participants in the ecosystem would be willing to do this right now for obvious reasons. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I brought up in the article is that this concept of proof of reserves, A, it's an aid to the protocol since inception. Like it's 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 fairly simple to show if somebody has sent you Adam coins on chain, it's very simple for you to show, hey, Here's on chain, I received them. And in fact, even if you tell me you didn't receive them, I could go on chain and see that you did, because I can see that the transaction was valid, valid received. So what I, what I guess, the, the, what I'm trying to highlight in the article is the fact that be, even though it is 
a bit impossible it, it, because the technology enables it for you, Adam, to show and see on chain where your funds are in any custodial service, right? That ability, the protocol enables that. Why haven't we as an industry passed that through to the users? And why haven't we as, as why haven't we really, and we've created these all like confusing and complicated audit systems where you can check that your funds, you have to do all this work to check that your funds are included in the audit. And then you have to do additional work to see where everybody else's funds were. Why can't we just as custodial services show where the funds are to the users on chain? We do that with every one of our loans. Well, the other, because I can see why some custodial services don't want to do it because they're practicing a fractional uh, reserve lending. <laughs> and that's the thing, like ask the question. If they can't answer it, what are you doing there? Yeah, uh, uh, that, that's a good one, people. Hey, wait, Gigi, were you just, did you just want have something to say, by the way? I thought I saw something pop up on my screen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to comment on uh, Mauricio's article because I really liked what he said about Bitcoin having very low switching costs, because I think that's very important to point out, because I think uh, once we have something that is approximating another Mount Gox, like some grand disaster with some centralized service or an exchange, or even with uh, fractional lending or, or some other shenanigans, and people are afraid that their centralized service that they use will do the same with their Bitcoin, they will just run to the gates and they will take care of setting up their own self-custody and maybe setting up a multisig or whatever is convenient and popular right then and there. And I think it's very important to point out that Bitcoin intrinsically has uh, very, very low switching costs, as Mauricio put it. And uh, don't underestimate that. I mean, we've seen that in the digital realm a couple of times that services simply die in, in, in the span of like a week or a month. Just look at dig.com, for example. I mean, it got killed off by Reddit in a, in a, in a couple of weeks or months. And the same with MySpace and other, other services that just went by the wayside. And I think the same uh, will be true for um, centralized services in the Bitcoin world if they mess up and if they play games with their users' funds. 100%. Yeah, well, imagine... <laughs> I, I'm just imagining a nightmare situation, God forbid, where uh, Coinbase were... <laughs> Coinbase is going to have one out of every 18 Bitcoin. If, if they got hacked, uh, that would be big. And uh, there'd be a lot of people switching uh, suddenly at that point. That yeah, People, great, uh, we, we've lived through hacks before. <laughs> it would well, be a great sacrifice. We, we, we've lived through hacks before. I just want everyone to realize if... So, sorry. For oh, sorry. I didn't hear. I didn't hear what you said there. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry. Sorry for interrupting. But I no, think, no, no, no. Turn your volume a little it bit. It would there. be. It would be interesting because you know there there are a couple of million bitcoins already lost. Uh, uh, supposedly, um, there are some that that are pro provably lost, but. Um, it, it would be interesting to see what would happen if like uh, Coinbase goes bust and a million uh, bitcoins are lost. It would make everyone's Bitcoin much more valuable and it would be a great sacrifice to the Bitcoin world. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily seeing it as a great disaster. Well, the, the, the first thing that would happen though is there would be the, the mass media would say Bitcoin was hacked and uh, the price would drop uh, considerably if, if Coinbase were to go down. I mean, and living through 2016, we're seeing the Bit, Bitfinex hack. Um, it, it, every time there was a hack, it would it would go down like twenty percent or, or more the price. So uh, this this would be a nightmarish. But let us let <laughs> let, let it not happen. Um, it would be a, quite a lesson. But everybody, that that's why you first of all control your own private key, and you don't get too freaked out by fiat prices uh, jumping around. Because yeah, there's some more roller coaster conditions on the horizon. Who knows uh, what, what will uh, bring about those roller coaster conditions. All right. Well, on the topic of centralization there, uh, unless uh, David, do you have anything uh, to say about proof of reserves or anything else on this topic? Yeah, I was just going to I was just going to add that. You I good? Think All right. I um, think are oh, you there? Yeah. Uh, proof of reserves. Yeah. Um, is a good it, it's good. My my issue is because I'm trying to think adversarially is proof of reserves work until they don't insofar as let's say I have a custodial company and I'll, and I, I am really good with my audits 
and I'm always sending out the audit and everybody goes, oh yeah, he's got my coins, he's got my coins, he's got my coins and then boom, exit scam and I did it before the next audit. I think if we were to look at this, this might be where the whole Gemini story comes back in to play its part. But my thing with the Gemini story is I don't know who the company is um, that is holding the money for Gemini because if they're self-insured and they allow audits, then the insurance could go away as well as all the Bitcoin can go away. And there's not any kind of proof of reserve that's going to stop that from happening from audit date number one to audit date number two. Now, if and I hate this because it's more centralization, but if a quote-unquote trusted third-party insurance company is insuring Gemini, then if for whatever reason their proof of reserves goes kaput and the Winklevi decide to take a poof, then somebody a third party is on the hook for that insurance. So I think they would work in concert. But again, if you're self-insuring the proof of reserves, I, I don't know. It's, it's, one of, it's one of those things where, yes, it's a good idea to have the proof of reserves. It just, I, I can't help but to think adversarially because humans have this weird tendency to screw each other, like we've seen lately with the uh, second lightning uh, <laughs> trust chain torch. <laughs> oh, See, you interesting comparison there. Oh, wait, Gigi, you said something? <laughs> no, I just, I just, all right, the comparison um, was we, got, we got a question here. We, we got a question from the, the audience. Uh, this is an interesting one. This one might be for Mauricio. Will the, up and, will the upcoming Schnorr Signature soft fork create any difficulties for proof of reserves? Well, we don't even know when that's going to happen. I mean, you say upcoming, that's uh, who knows when that's going to happen. But yeah, what would, what would that do? As, the, uh, as Bitcoin becomes uh, more uh, private or... Uh, more fungible. Uh, what, what's that, uh, that deal? What, what's the deal with uh, proof of reserves when that happens? I mean, listen, I think uh, you know, proof of reserves as a concept. I think right now what, what the industry is kind of trying to wrestle with is what does this look like? What is the standard and what is the right way to show proof of reserves? Because, you know, to, to the point that was just made, the audit is periodic. It's not real time. So there is a time of, there's a period in time when something can happen. The way we address that that ability to show our users what time reserves is we assign a vault to their for their collateral and they can basically ping that vault in any at any time with their node or a third-party block explorer and the second that bitcoin moves they'll know now again it's not perfect there are different ways for, uh, that, that this can be structured but to us um, as long as responsible users verify the vault they will be the first ones to know when that thing moves and at least they'll be able to set up triggers and act and not have to wait till the next audit comes out All right, we, we've, uh, we've, we've uh, talked about this subject and now it's time to move on to something even more centralized. <laughs> well, some would say it's, uh, so let's talk about these uh, centralized coins. Uh, I guess we'll start out with David. I think you were uh, tweeting a lot about this uh, this week, right? Uh, or, or you wanted to talk about this. The Bcash, 12.5% tax. Uh, the, the, tell us what's going on with Bcash. It's a, it's a learning experience. Uh, well, yeah, it looks like um, what happened was a blog post dropped. I cannot pronounce the gentleman's name. He's from btc.top, one of the one of the big, larger mining pools. Jihang Zhuer, I think is the name, on January 22nd, he drops this outline for the infrastructure funding plan for Bitcoin Cash. Essentially, I won't get into anything other than two points. One is that it suggests a 12.5% tax on the miners, and that tax will then go to a corporation that will then be distributed to the developers. And that's about all we know. Um, for me, well, I don't have to worry about this happening in actual Bitcoin. <laughs> so I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't bug me because it doesn't affect me. Any BCH bag holders, though, this is going to cause a problem. And 
normally speaking, like in all my podcasts, I don't ever make predictions. Certainly, I never make them on price because I'm a crappy TA guy. I am going to make a prediction on this one, though. This thing is supposed to drop or this this thing is supposed to happen on May the 15th as far as they're talking about. Close to the happening. Um when that happens, I yeah. suspect that on that day, there will be only one major fork of the BCAST chain. After that time, I believe there will be several more forks of BCH. Because what's going on here is that now miners are being forced to get fork over some of their their prof- or profits, if that's what you want to call it here, um, or revenue, definitely, from the BC- mining BCH to pay some people to work on BCH. This is what here's, here's the, here's the top highlight of that blog post. It says, quote, to ensure participation and include subsidization from the whole pool of Shaw 256 mining miners will orphan BCH blocks that do not follow the plan. This is needed to avoid a tragedy of the commons which is Roger Ver's favorite argument ever is the tragedy of the commons. More to the point, though, to ensure participation, they spelled compliance wrong. This isn't participation. This is force. This is violence by force, just like tax. It has the same impact. It's going to do the same thing, except nobody's bound by law and will be thrown in jail if they decide to give somebody or several people the finger and like the animal free animal in the field go off on their merry way and i think that that's what's going to happen because none of these people are going to like this second and this will be the last thing that i talk about is this part here where he does he does math what is it oh he does math here by saying, and, this, and Roger Verb made a tweet either last night or sometime early this morning that says that Bitcoin BTC is going to pay for 95% of protocol development on BCH. This is where he's getting this from. Quote, because of the hash ratio between BTC and BCH and the difficulty adjustments that maintain an equilibrium, it is the entire set of SHA-256 mining, including BTC mining, that bears the cost under this plan. Now, he go, I'm not going to read the rest of it because it goes through a lot of percentage math, but my take on it is that it's gibberish so that when somebody retor- gives them a retort and says, no, we, you know, dude, no, this is this is BS and it's never going to happen. They will say the following because you can't do math. This conversation is over. The math is confusing and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's gibberish. And all I see is a complete and total fragmentation of Bcash. That's it. Dude, pound that like button. I read through that math a few times. I'm like, what? Is, where is it? Am I missing something here? Like, how is B, how's Bitcoin going to end up paying for this? And I just didn't say anything. I'm like, let them say whatever they want to. But I, I think you're onto something with that gibberish. Just like say a bunch of gibberish. It sounds kind of complicated. You don't understand the math. This is going to work. Believe us. We're centralized. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that, it's that, a that's good. We're going to learn. This is again. We can learn from these altcoins. Let them experiment in this new form of governance. Let's let let's see how it works. Um, as for your prediction uh, that there are going to be many B caches afterwards, well, why don't they? Won't they just mine Bitcoin instead? I mean, instead of making their own new B cache, I, I thought about that too. That there might they might end up with a some more B caches after this. But then I thought, why, why take it to that level? Why not just go back to the original if you're a miner and just mine Bitcoin instead of trying to mine your own B cash. Um, but but who, who knows what will happen? Uh, Gigi, you're, oh, sorry. Did you something, something else say, David? No, go ahead, Gigi. Um, I, I just wanted to okay. point out Gigi. again that, um, uh, what you read the quote, um, I just found it hilarious that, uh, 
um, the reason why all this is done is for the greater good. You know, just just believe us. We need to do this because we need to avoid this tragedy of the commons. And everyone who reads this and thinks that this is correct, just think about other projects that don't have this problem. Like why why does Bitcoin not have a, a tragedy of the common in that same way? And um, yeah, I just I I think I mean we we. <laughs> we talked about that uh, a lot already now. I think, um, you know, all, all the time spent on shit coins like Bcash is more or less wasted time. It's it's just a little bit hilarious. That's it. <laughs> it's, you know, cheap, cheap and cheap entertainment for Bitcoiners. That's the way I see it. Yeah, it, well, it, it's definitely a soap opera if you if you want a soap opera over there. Uh, but it's a learning again. It's a learning experience. They're experimenting. We will see. Uh, how this works, and we'll see uh, the ma their magical math. Uh, what, what comes out out from that, uh, Mauricio? Do you have thoughts on this? I mean, you know, they, uh, you know David and Gigi just covered it really well. But the, the only thing I would say is, you know, as far as like experimenting and letting them go on the on the basis of experimentation, it's just the same way as seeing the government of Venezuela experiment with communism. It's like, it's an experiment that we've seen over and over and over and that we just know how it ends. Uh, and frankly, I personally can't see the day until all this noise is finally drowned out because uh, you'd be surprised at how many people um, find an interest for Bitcoin and then get derailed with all this noise that they find and all these different types of Bitcoins. And frankly, I can't see the day where we just have one Bitcoin, the real Bitcoin, and everyone else is just kind of putting their resources to better uses rather than confusing people that rightfully are looking for a sovereign money. Uh, well, you know, I agree that it's a bunch of noise, but I don't see that noise going away anytime soon. I think we're always going to have noisemakers distracting people and many, many people will keep on falling for the noise. I mean, the situation uh, you know, th this is a noisy situation. It's nothing compared to uh, the, the, the craziness that's going over at, at BSV. And uh, there's plenty of people that buy that hook, line and sinker. I mean, so it, it, it's I think it's something we're going to have to get used to in the space. And, and those of us who have the focus uh, are going to are going to remain focused. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are going to get distracted by this noise. I, I it would be great if there was. Some, some sort of noise. Now, so I, I might as well stick with you on Venezuela. Uh, the, 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 the Coin Telegraph article, and, and again, is about the Petro, and that the Petro on local Bitcoins is selling uh, for half of the official price. Now, um, that might not sound great, but it does mean that people are putting value behind the Petro. People are giving up Bitcoin for the Petro. It might not be as much as the Venezuelan government sets it to be, but um, it's, it's, it's being traded. So I, I got to say, from my point of view, I don't like the Venezuelan government, but it seems like the Petro has definitely bought them some time. It has more value than the freaking uh, Boulevard does. Boulevard has no value whatsoever. Um, so what's your take on the situation over there, Mauricio? Yeah, I'm just trying to organize my thoughts because there's a lot to unpack and I want to be as clear as I can and not and try to get the message across. So the Venezuelan Petro is being printed out of thin air, backed by nothing, not on a blockchain. It is not a crypto asset. Yeah. It is just another inorganic fiat currency represented by a digital token that the governments can just print out of thin air and they're giving it to people because when they printed Bolivares, People know what to do. Now, when you give them something new, inflation has not skyrocketed on this petrol because people don't know what to do and it's illegal to do so. So I don't know if you know this, but right now there are people. So the only way you can get rid of a petrol is by selling it in a second market exchange or directly to the government. The government is only going to buy it to you for, for, from you in Bolivares. And the reason they can maintain the dollar value of the petrol in Bolivares is because it can print as many Bolivares as they can to defend that peg, right? When you take the petrol to the real market and you ask a real person to do it, the only reason people are paying half the money for the petrol is because there's this giant government force plan to make retailers 
take the petrol at the government value. So what are these people doing? These people are buying petrol at 50 cents on the dollar and are taking the petrol and buying a full dollar worth of chicken at the retailer. It's merely speculation. And the government is desperately trying for somebody to pay hard currency for the petrol. Hard currency being dollars or Bitcoin. The last trick it tried to pull was trying to force airlines to pay for their refueling in the Venezuelan airports in petros. So essentially, nobody locally is going to give up hard money for petros. And the ones who do are doing it at a crazy 50% so they can go speculate. But no sane human with hard money is going to trade it for that thing. But, but again, there are people that are doing it. So that I, if I was in Venezuela now, I would de- if I got some of those free petros, I would turn that into Bitcoin. If some sucker wants to turn that into Bitcoin, then this is a way out for some people. I mean, it, it's, it's always about, 100%. It's always about being the greatest sucker. Right now, the greatest sucker is the retailer that having, that's having to take full value on it because it's getting other subsidies from the government. So they are thinking that every petrol they get, they're going to be able to get full value from the government. And that ball is going to drop like it's going to drop like a hammer one day. And essentially, it's the same thing that's happened in Venezuela for years and years and years is going to happen again. They're going to wake up one day. They're going to realize they've been lied to for the like six months. Everyone's going to try to take their money out. Inflation shoots another thousand percent. When you mentioned the, the forcing airlines, um, do you think they are going to force some outside outsiders, outside countries to actually buy the Petro? I, I, I think it's possible. I mean, it, it's possible only for the people that Venezuela is already feeding. So, for example, um, airlines get a huge chunk of business because Venezuelan airlines are depleted. And the only way Venezuela has leave the country now is through foreign airlines. And now because they can charge for their tickets in dollars, it is good business for airlines to fly Venezuelans out of the country. So yes, they'll be paying, you know, they'll, they'll start paying X amount for the petrol because they're getting way more than what this, what it's costing them. Same with like the few transnationals, perhaps Chinese and Russian companies that are in there exploiting oil fields, et cetera, they might buy it because it, it kind of goes with the whole narrative. But I think whatever, what the only, the only people that are going to buy this are accomplices and people that are benefiting from the destruction of Venezuela one way or another. Uh, and that to me is just a whole set of bad actors. Yeah, so if China is silly enough to, to do this, to, to buy some of it, then, and, and people are still getting it for free, and those people could turn it into Bitcoin, then it's a blessing that they could turn something into Bitcoin if they do it that way. Because it will help preserve their wealth. Um, it, it's, and this could, in the long run, in the long run, uh, it, it could hurt Venezuela, uh, uh, the government. It could bring down the government if more and more people thought long-term and said, hey, wait a second, this is going to turn into nonsense. Let me turn it into Bitcoin now. Um, yeah. I don't know if enough people will. Um, people, you said buy chicken with it. Um, I think there'll probably be more people buying chicken with it than thinking long-term. Uh, but still, I... I see it as I don't like the Venezuelan government. Uh, I agree that it is. Everyone that I've talked to says the same thing. It's not a cryptocurrency. It is not a cryptocurrency at all. It's, it's centrally controlled. They can turn it off, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, if you could turn it into Bitcoin, then you control, then you're in great shape, man, if, if, if you got the Bitcoin. So it's, it's very interesting to see how it develops. And if any other regimes out there try to copy them, it, 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 you bet, you bet it's coming because it's, 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 People don't understand, generally speaking, where inflation comes from. And the few that do know how to act and, and front run the inflation so they can move their dollars out before the big moves happen. What's going to happen with the petrol is that because it's a brand new way to inject inflation, the market still doesn't really understand how to do it. So people are going to use this confusion and other countries are going to try to finance their, their socialist bankrolls with these inorganic tokens. But sooner than later, people are going to realize that it's just like printing liras or bolivares and they're going to stop using it. All right. So we obviously they, their central bank is making up this totally nonsense coin. But there are other central banks, big ones that are clearly going to have um, real digital currencies, although they are going to be centralized also. Um, but they won't be nonsense like uh, what's going on in, in Venezuela. Uh, there's been a lot of talk and I linked to below uh, this week. 
supposedly uh, different uh, central banks are talking to one another about how they're going to do this. And Japan says they want to do it. I mean, we've been hearing it for a while. It's just a matter of time before a major uh, country has its own Fed coin. Okay, it, it, it's just it's just a, it's a matter of time, and it'll it'll, it'll be run differently than the Venezuelan one. I, I would I would think at least. Uh, Gigi, your thoughts on centralized uh, Fed coins and uh, maybe on the Venezuela situation too, if you have any. Yeah, um, I, I think it's uh, an interesting development. And uh, I, I also uh, want to point out that, um, yeah, the, the people in Venezuela, they actually, um, I, um, it was pointed out in the article that they want to use something that they can actually use because... Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that the app, which actually allowed you to, to use the Petro coin was uh, shut down quite quickly. And now it's, you can't use it anymore. And people actually want, uh, uh, the Bolivar again, pretty much. And, um, yeah, I think the government shitcoinery, it will continue. And, um, the poorer countries, I think will, front run the shitcoin movement but we see we see it all over the world and we see also the digital dollar initiative and we see also from the european central bank initiatives to lo launch their own government uh, based shitcoins and well it's just something we, we will have to live with i guess and i think um yeah bitcoin will weather the storm as well and we will see how things are looking in the next couple of years you said something very interesting. You, you think uh, the, the smaller uh, countries will, will, will do it first. Well, 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 Venezuela already did it. We'll, we'll, we'll do Fed coins before the larger ones. Or did I misinterpret you on that? Yeah, no, I think because it's just easier to do and easier to coordinate if you are a smaller and more totalitarian country. I think the European Union, for example, moves way, way slower. And also um, the United States has just more responsibility to do things more or less in their point of view correctly. <laughs> and if you just can disregard everything and disregard the law and are a, a smaller country to begin with, I think it's just easier to introduce something like that and easier to coordinate. Opsec classified in the chat sent $1. Thank you, dude, for the support. David Bennett, what's your take on uh, Venezuela and these uh, centralized Fed coins? Well, I can't really say anything about Venezuela because I've, I've never been there. I, I only get the news that everybody else gets. So I'll refrain from saying anything other than um, people still think that Venezuela is backing the Petro by oil. And that's really, I mean, Mauricio's right. It's backed by nothing is the reality. What they say is it's backed by oil. And, and then what they'll do is they'll point to look at our oil reserves. Now those oil reserves are there and they are large. The problem is the oil itself is really heavy. It's hard to get out of the ground. It's not like Brent North Sea crude or West Texas light sweet crude. The reason you like those oils is because they're easier to extract. This stuff is like gravy, okay? And it's way deep. And they don't have the drilling infrastructure anymore to actually tap it. So this entire thing has been a smoke and mirror show because they have one piece of evidence that is true. We have massive oil reserves. They don't talk about the quality of the oil. They don't talk about how, much, how expensive it is to get that oil. And then they've turned around and forced somebody, one of uh, the uh, Venezuelan state-controlled drilling and exploration company, I can't remember the name of it, to force them to sell $45 million barrels of oil that had already been extracted as that's already above ground that was easy to do and i don't know man this whole thing of the petro being sold uh people actually like this guy saying i'm re reading the um the news story that, that we were uh referencing that he's selling his btc to purchase petro so that he can help exchange with other people. And I'm like, you just lost your Bitcoin. Right. And that's just, and this is all based on this smoke and mirrors about the reserves that are in the ground that you'd have to hire somebody from the U S to go do that. And, or somebody else who really knows how to drill and really knows how to extract. This is not easy stuff to do. It's not, 
you don't punch a hole in the ground and then it just starts gushing out. So now as far as the other nation states, I've talked about this on Bitcoin and for a while, uh, nation state crap coinery is, is going to pick up steam. The front running of what they see is as the, the ability to do an end around on Bitcoin is going to be their fatal error because it's going to put them into really bad situations and their people are going to get a bit into really bad situations. And the only thing it's going to front run is altcoins, ICOs, the new IEOs. That's the only thing that it's going to do while Bitcoin is way out ahead. I think from that standpoint and only that standpoint, it's kind of good news because the only people that are going to be touched by this are going to be everybody that's in our, that's already in our wake. But I feel bad for the people of these countries that are going to have to deal with the, with the fallout of the folly of their respective governments who don't understand what this stuff is. They don't get it yet. And I don't know if they have a hope in hell of actually becoming competent. Well, this is the thing. People people have a choice to make uh, to see if they've they've got uh, to do to do some education here. Okay, uh, they can become hooked on their very easy to use Fed coin. Oh, look, I can buy anything with it. Look how quick transactions. Or they could be like, Hey, I've I've gotten this for free, and I can turn this into Bitcoin, and I can get out of this system. I I think for. A, there are going to be some people, it's going to be a minority, a small minority, probably 20% or so or less, that are, are going to realize like, wait a second, I'm getting this Fed coin. I, I can now enter the Bitcoin realm really easy. I, I think some people will use it as an opportunity, but some will get stuck in a matrix that they will not uh, be happy about. And some will get stuck in a matrix that they will be happy about. They'll just, you know, <laughs> just everyday life, whatever, get, getting taxed through their government uh you know, they don't care if they're automatically taxed with their centralized digital coin. But uh, it's more of these countries are going to give free samples out of their digital coin. And if you're getting that for free, do turn it into big. I mean, if someone wants to give you Bitcoin for it, my Lord, what an, what an opportunity. What, what an opportunity. Um, so that, that's I always try to take a have a positive spin on this. But over the long run, uh, these digital coins, no centralized digital coins of, of countries. They won't compare to Bitcoin at all because they'll be totally uh, KYC coins. They'll, they'll be able to turn you off. They'll be able to monitor everything you do. They'll be able to automatically tax you. It's, it's ridiculous. It's it's 1984 type stuff. But uh, it's convenient for some people, whatever. All right. Um, I, if anyone has, uh, I think that's enough of the uh, centralized coins. We talked about Venezuela, Bcash, central bank coins. Let's move on to something uh, more positive. But some people would say this is centralized. Lightning Development Kit. All right. So the dudes over at Square, Jack Dorsey, are uh, have created a group. And they're going to try to make uh, basically Lightning Network more uh, usable. They have some pretty uh, big goals. And uh, to, to bring it uh, in a way to the general public that will uh, be more convenient for them. And one of the suggestions that Lightning Development Kit wants to do is uh, uh, make uh, wallets that already exist have Lightning functionality instead of having a separate Lightning wallet. I, I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, Gigi, what, what, what's your thoughts or do you have any thoughts on the Lightning Development Kit news? Yeah, I, I just wanted to point out um, that it's already less centralized than all all the other stuff we talked about before, um, because um, async, Blockstream, Lightning Labs, and multiple open source uh, developers are uh, uh, are gonna work on this stuff. So I I would say it's in good hand and it's a good initiative and um, it's definitely. Um, and something like that is definitely needed. And as they pointed out, and I think we can all agree, uh, there still needs to be some improvements done to UX security, privacy, and and scaling all around. And I think every effort in that direction is uh, is a good thing. And um, as they pointed out in their blog blog post, as you said, Adam, they want to um, they want to add the ability with this. Um, lightning development kit to integrate lightning 
capabilities to existing Bitcoin wallets. And this will be very interesting to see because it, it should make the development of, um, of just additional lightning wallets and additional lightning capability way, way easier. And another thing that I thought was really interesting is that they want to support multi-device and multi-app access to, to the same single wallet uh, pretty much out of the box with this development kit. And this will be very interesting to see as well how developers in the ecosystem um, use that and, and play around with it. Yes, very good points there, uh, bringing up that second one that I, I hadn't uh, really went into on my previous show. Uh, Mauricio, your thoughts on uh, this uh, this project? Yeah, man, I mean, listen, I'm a big fan of Jack and, and, and what he's been doing, like his his initiative for the open source kind of framework for social media. Uh, now he's going out and released this, you know, lightning development toolkit that's going to be the wonders for the community. You know, reading the blog post, you, you kind of read, they really kind of analyzed the ecosystem and they saw where the gaps for funding were uh, and what could have the biggest effect to move the community forward. Uh, we work very closely with people in LATAM. Uh, their transactions are very, very small relative to US transactions. Uh, to give you an idea, like the average deposit from Venezuela into our savings account is $120. Uh, so people really need solutions to spend Bitcoin in smaller amounts and, and have more privacy and less fees. So I do think he kind of hits the nail on the head. I also think it's very interesting how he walks this line of helping open source yet, you know, securing patents. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news, but they secured a, a patent for crypto to fiat on ramp. So they're clearly walking both lines uh, and they're seeing, okay, I, I can't really grow my business on Bitcoin without growing Bitcoin. So they're trying, I, I, I love their model of just essentially prodding out to the community and prodding out to the private development of, of your own, yourself as a company. Excellent. David, your, your thoughts on this? I'm generally really bullish on anything, anything with lightning, uh, quite frankly. Uh, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with Jack. Uh, I, I kind of agree with what Mauricio was saying. I, I dig the fact that he's doing what he's doing. Uh, I'm actually from, from a Jack centric standpoint, I'm actually more interested in what he was trying to say with the decentralized social media thing. Cause I'd like to get a picture painted of what that actually looks like because he didn't give us anything, but somehow or another with all this floating around with Jack, the, the patent that he took that may not or may or may not be defensive. I hope it's defensive. The decentralized social media stuff and this lightning developers kit plus other funding in uh, of Bitcoin in, in his world. I could see that coalescing into something pretty powerful. I could also see it coalescing into something that kind of falls apart if it done wrong, but I don't know, man, Jack kind of has a tendency to do things right. I mean, he's not living out of a box under a bridge. So whatever he's doing, you know, keep on, but there's that decentralized social media, a decentralized payment platform, one that has like insanely low fees for now. Cause that was a, that whole low fees thing was a narrative that was fed to us at the beginning of this entire experiment. It's kind of, screwed some things up because block space is going to be precious. Lightning transactions may end up being kind of precious and a third, uh, third layer might actually have to, to come into play there. I don't know, but I like the direction that Jack's going. I really do. Um, I wish that the statement that said that they had talked to wallet developers would have read something like, we've talked to wallet developers and a whole bunch of Lightning Network users. I would have liked to see the LN users be in that statement, but yeah, it is what it is. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but that wasn't what I read in in the particular you know piece we were talking about. I don't know. I I think it's all good. I think it's bullish personally. So. Yeah, I I, I agree that it's, it is uh, good news. Uh, and it's it's a it's a big undertaking, definitely. Uh, your comment about the uh, decentralized social media, yeah, I had the same thoughts. Like, what exactly are you talking about, dude? And uh, it's kind of vague. And a lot of people were getting very gung ho about it, but like, I, I I'd like more uh, substance to that. But that that's that's a whole other uh, a whole a whole other subject matter, though. But I am glad you brought it up. And yeah, to have Jack Dorsey on the Bitcoin team, as it were, it, it's it's positive. It, it's it's positive. 
we, in the long, the long run, who knows if we're watching this in five years, we've probably got a big smile on our face, but by then we'll know what, what he contributed. And I'm sure it'll be awesome. Maybe uh, Bitcoin will be totally, or lightning network will be ter- totally intertwined with Twitter. That would be, uh, that would be kind of cool there. All right. Um, all right. We, we're, we're getting to uh, closing uh, statements here. Uh, we're at, at the end. I don't think, well, let me, let me real, real quick. We were talking about, uh, the petro being backed by oil, I, 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 and I, I think that's that is nonsense. How, how is it even provable? Tether comes out this week saying they've got Tether Gold. It's backed <laughs> by gold. Uh, do, do any of you do any of you guys have thoughts on that, or is that just a gimmick? Uh, I thought it was a, a cool gimmick to get uh, Peter Schiff people excited. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Honestly, anyone on, on, on Tether Gold? Does anyone have any? Honestly, man, I actually yeah, thought you take it away. was a troll. I thought it was a troll. I really did. And now that it seems to be confirmed that this is a real thing, all I can really do is kind of laugh. And that's all I have to say about it. Okay. Uh, Mauricio, anything about uh, having uh, coins backed by things that exist in reality? Uh, any, any uh, no, no, this is just more a general note on on how to spot crap coinery. So at a, at a government level, so I, I'll, I'll kind of give some details too because we had a we had a comment that the petrol was backed by oil. So the first version of the white paper. So there's different legal documents that back the petrol. The, there was a white paper, and then there was like a seta, which is a publication of a, a law in Venezuela. The actual law that backs the petrol says that the petrol is backed by quote. Uh, barrel of oil, X amount of gold, X amount of diamonds, or, and this is where the key part goes, any other commodity that the government of Venezuela deems fit at the time. Oh, uh, God. So not only that, but in the, there were two versions of the white paper. In the first version, they actually signal out an oil field and listed the reserves. On the second version, they don't. Uh, and they put in this line about any other commodity. So... You can spot these things, and same as if you go through the legal documents of Tether Gold or Tether This, like all it takes is a guy that reads the fine print, uh, to, and they'll tell you to your face that they're lying to you. But you just have to go and read it. <laughs> good, I like that. Uh, good, good point. Read, read the fine fine print, people. Um, all right, uh, Gigi, do you have any uh, thoughts on all this? Or any uh, closing, anything you wanted to add? Any subject matters that weren't brought up? Um, well, my only thoughts are um, that if if you are if you're so like if you're like Peter Schiff and you're really in love with gold, just get some gold. Don't get a gold shit coin because the Oracle problem is st- still unsolved. And just get the real thing and put it under your mattress or something and bring it out from time to time to help you fall back to sleep like Peter Schiff does it. But uh, other than that, I don't have any comments. <laughs> that, that is actually a great Found that like button. That was, a, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, instead of tether gold, just get some real gold. Put it under your pillow and make a wish, I guess. Uh, all right, uh, David Bennett. Actually, Dave, you you had you wanted to bring up something that uh, Aaron von Weirdom just uh, published. Ha- hang on, yesterday I believe. Pay swap. Yeah. I, I hadn't read this yet. What's up with this pay swap thing? Yeah, I, I won't. I, yeah, I, I clearly, away. I won't read the whole thing. But the gist of it seems to be that it is a privacy solution, or not solu- a solution, not the solution a solution. This is going to be a field of solutions for this kind of stuff. But privacy is a big problem in Bitcoin, in mostly according to whoever it is you're talking to. But in either event, if there is a problem, there's always somebody that's got some kind of answer. And this gentleman who goes by the handle, get this, Z-M-N-S-C-P-X-J. I love the aliases in this space, man. Uh, he is introducing what he calls pay swap. And apparently the gist of it is this. If I send you, like you say, like you've got, I don't know, something that I want and I pay you for it in Bitcoin, chances are good. I'm not being able to select a UTXO with the exact amount you're requesting, which means change is going to come back to my wallet. That transaction kind of seals our relationship if they know our wallets. 
What this does is instead of that one transaction that results in me sending you Bitcoin and change coming back to me, it splits it up into two transactions. One where the only thing that an analytics firm can see is something from a wallet, my wallet, going to you. There's no change. That change apparently is addressed in a second transaction that goes from you back to me. And apparently in the analytics world, that is enough to cause enough of an obfuscation or dust storm that kind of hides our relationship. It may be where like since change came back, the, the, the assumption is something occurred here. Whereas if no change comes back, I might've just moved coins from one cold card wallet to another cold card wallet because I moved the whole amount and no change was needed. The pay swap apparent. So in, in, at the end of it, it takes one single transaction between two unique individuals, turns it into two transactions that makes it look like almost nothing. It's called pay swap. Aaron von Weirdom wrote this for Bitcoin magazine, January the 23rd. The name of the uh, or the headline of the article is how PaySwap can confuse blockchain analysis, benefiting Bitcoin privacy for all. So go read it. It's kind of fascinating. And, and the guy who made it up is the guy with all the letters in his name. What's it? ZW? What's his? Uh... Yeah, Z, ZMN, old <laughs> ZMN SCPXJ. Can't wait to buy that gentleman a beer. Uh, yeah, it was proposed. No, that uh, I've heard of that. that I was just going to say it was proposed on the Bitcoin dev mailing list this week. Yeah, well, he I've heard of that dude before. People tweeted a, about him before. He he gets he gets paid in Bitcoin and nobody knows who he is. That's, I mean, that's that's the world we're living in today. That's awesome. All yeah, right. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> Mauricio, uh, uh, you got some uh, closing thoughts, I guess. Talk about letting your, your company. What's what's going on up in Toronto and everything? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, we, uh, like I said, you know, we're, we're, we wear transparency on our sleeves, you know, our whole loan product is built on real temporal reserves. So I, I think that's why people, uh, you know, like our service and one of the big drivers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm the co-founder of Lenin. We, uh, we're a Bitcoin company that lets you make the most of your Bitcoin. We have savings accounts uh, where you can earn interest. We have a Bitcoin backed loans where you can look at where your Bitcoin sitting in cold storage insured with BitGo and we can give you dollars. And then the last one is B2X. So that's a product that lets you double the Bitcoin you have through a dollar loan. Uh, and essentially it's just a, a quick way for using your Bitcoin to buy more. So um, that's what we do. We're based in Toronto and maybe in Venezuela and we have a lot of users from LATAM. Uh, everything's in Spanish. So yeah, I mean, I'll stop there, but yeah, Latam.io. Dude, well, hey man, I look, people creating companies in this space you're in motion. You're doing good out there, up there. And uh, Toronto uh, community is getting bigger and bigger, right, man? The, the it is, man. We got blockchain week coming. Going down to party. Come, uh, come Wait, April. Uh, April. When is it in April? You got a little cut off there. Oh, um, I haven't checked the exact day. I believe it's about, I'll, I'll say it in the show, but they're officially coming out to all right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Now you're getting a little cut off. Oh, we've obviously reached the end of the show here. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, Mauricio, for being on today. I really appreciate your awesome. You rock. Let's move to uh, I want to Gigi, you do uh, you do a German language show. Uh, anything you want to say about that? Any promo you want to give? Yeah, um, well, I'm I'm probably most well known for writing the 21 lessons, yeah. uh, which just came out a month ago uh, in book form. So if you want me want to support me, the best thing you can do probably is buy the book on on Amazon. Uh, I'm currently in the process of also setting up a BTC Pay server, so you can um, part with your precious sets to get the book as well. Um, you can also read it online. All my stuff is published under a Creative Commons license, so you can do with it uh, what you want, and it's 21lessons.com. I published some other articles on their gg.com. I uh, most recently wrote for the Bitcoin Times, uh, Amber, 
in Australia is behind it. I also wrote some articles for Bull Bitcoin in Canada. Um, I curate Bitcoin stuff on BitcoinResources.com. And as you said, I recently started a German-speaking podcast with a couple of friends where we talk about Bitcoin and sometimes also talk trash about shitcoins. And <laughs> that's it. You can check that out on Twitter. Um, I'm there, Gigi, on Twitter, and all the stuff is linked there. Yeah, and all of these guys' Twitters are, are linked to below, and that's really a great place to get started with them because from their Twitters, they link to all the stuff that they've, they've talked about. And Gigi just dropped some names that have been on the show. You mentioned Svetsky's uh, publication down in Australia. You mentioned Francis, who's obviously been on the show before with the Bull Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, man, we're all, it's, it's a small world, but hey, best guest in the space here, baby. I bring it to you every Friday. Okay, David Bennett, you're going to, you're going to, uh, tie it up here talk about your podcast obviously and and what's going on with you uh well uh bitcoin and has been going on i just passed what am i uh i'm about to drop episode 186 after i get done here uh generally speaking if you want to stay up with the news um i try to find and filter the best news between the night before i do the show and the morning that i do the show so that People can drive to work and be current without having to read and get into an automobile accident. And every once in a while, I will send things along the way. Like today, I'm talking about Terra Preta soils because everybody is wetting their pants in the Bitcoin space all of a sudden. Over the last two days, I've seen more climate change tweets from people than I've ever seen before in my life. And I don't, it doesn't matter whether you're for or against or believe or don't. That's not the point. The point is, is that there's a lot of people that, they kind of cry and they don't do anything about it. And there's something that can be done to make you feel better at least. And Terra Preta soils is one of the ways that carbon gets sequestered in, into the soil for over a thousand years. Uh, I talk about, I'm starting a series, not a series of that, but over the next few shows, I'm going to be getting into biochar and the and some possible even entrance in how it can possibly even work with Bitcoin mining because its production causes an awful lot of calories to be expended. So, um, yeah, if you want to like, get, get into the news and some of the price action and some other stuff, that's why it's called Bitcoin and, join me. I'm doing it weekly now, so join me every day, except for Saturday and Sunday. I, I don't work on weekends. All right, dude. That is that's awesome. You've got a little beyond Bitcoin going there too. I like that. People like to hear other topics sometimes. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, guest panel. You rocked as usual. You will all return. This wasn't your first rodeo. All of you are return guests, so it's great to have guys come back like this, and they'll come back again in the future. Everybody out there, you get a new show like this. Uh, this week at Bitcoin is every Friday. The Beyond Bitcoin show is every Saturday. Every other day of the week, you get a new show. The One Bitcoin show. Who knows what happens. You've got the latest news here. you got all the energy. You're in motion here. So pound that like button. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. This Meister. Remember, subscribe to the channel, like the video, share this video. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, guest. And we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya. <laughs>